It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello and welcome to another edition of Sports Unlimited. My name is Brandon Biscobing. I am your host. And joining me this week, normally it's Tyler Kerp. He's not going to be with us for the foreseeable future since he went to uh, college. But I do have a a special guest tonight, or this afternoon. It's Jordan Rosario from Keeping It 100 Podcast. Jordan, how's it going? Hey, I am doing very well. Thank you for asking. Uh, Brandon, it was such a pleasure having you on the show, uh, episode 19 of the Keeping It 100 podcast. Definitely check it out as Brandon had some amazing takes on our football stories, our NBA playoff stories. And man, I'm, uh, I am honored to be with you on Sports Unlimited. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it, it, it was fun this past Sunday talking about a bunch of different uh, topics throughout the sports world. And we're going to start with one that we talked about as well on on Keeping It 100. We'll talk about it a little more now. Uh, but the big MLB news, at least earlier on in the week, happened, I believe, on Wednesday, either Wednesday or Thursday, was Tom Brenneman saying a homophobic slur on the air while coming back uh on on the air from a break while there was a live mic and like i said on your show this is broadcaster 101 even if you think you're just talking to your producer even if you think you're off the air even if you think it's a dead mic you need to make sure you're not saying anything that you wouldn't say on the air when you're anywhere close to a mic no matter whether you think you're on or not, you always have to assume. That's Broadcaster 101. Always assume the mic is hot. And so you need to be careful of what you're saying. You need to make sure that what you're saying, even if you think you're off the air, is not something that you would say while on the air. Um, and like I said on, on your show as well, I hate how there's so many broadcasters... Uh, throughout the U.S., both up and coming and, you know, older as well, that would die for an MLB gig, would die for a major, uh, a, a pro-level gig, uh, a top, you know, a top-level gig, and yet you have so many broadcasters, you know, like myself, who really don't get many opportunities, basically have to create their own opportunities, and yet they're much nicer people. And then the the, the D-bags who, you know, do stuff like this, or like the Hornets broadcaster who, you know, I mean, that one, I'll somewhat buy the excuse because there was a hyphen next to it, so it wouldn't autocorrect, but he... he accidentally sent out the n-word instead of nuggets uh and then you've got mike milbury getting taken off because of anti-semitic rhetoric on on nhl broadcasts on hockey on the playoff broadcast so many broadcasters that 
just shouldn't be on the air anymore. And then there are those who are, you know, trying to fight for positions who are often much nicer people. And unfortunately, it makes me wonder if that age-old uh, adage is true, that nice guys finish last. Well, and I'm going to come at you with both points with Tom Brenneman. I mean, I said, I definitely said on the show when we talked about this back on Keeping It 100, the guy's got to go. Mm-hmm. All right. Oh, yeah. I don't. I don't care if you're in the MLB. Uh, listen, I understand that he was about two, three decades in the game as a broadcast announcer, even in the NFL, too. And I don't really care about all that because if you're willing to remember now, we can get into what he said about how he apologized, which <laughs> that's, it was I mean, not yeah, an apology it, at all. It, it, it was more so an apology of sorry I got caught more than sorry I actually did. And, and even that uh, that later apology that I picked up on on Yahoo Sports, I mean, he didn't know what that word meant. I mean, <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> As a younger kid, right, you know, me coming in uh, 9, 10 elementary school, I knew what that word meant, mm-hmm. and I know why you don't say that. So uh, Tom Brenneman's excuses, uh, okay, whatever, that's BS. So, now, I do want to come back at you also on the those broadcasters. Now, I definitely agree. There are some broadcasters that are getting old that I really don't like listening to. Uh, one, Joe Buck, you know, bring it gives me the uh (laughs) comes to mind but on top of that i really like some of these broadcasters that we got out there that really show that passion for the sport i mean for example my man uh, gary cohen for the new york Mm -hmm. mets always love his fire always love his personality matt fascursion that is another one always get listen Santa Maria, easy (laughs) the easiest catchphrase anybody picks up on nowadays and then Don Orsillo for the San Diego Padres, he has got he has got that passion. Mm. Also, used to be a one time a Red Sox commentator, yep. if I'm not mistaken. Yes, so he was. He's been he's been in the game for a while. And Drew Goodman for the Rockies, also I really like his passion too. So I get where you're coming from. That we see all these other podcast uh, broadcasters that are kind of dudsville that really don't have that personality, that passion to get myself as a baseball fan or even if you want to talk football basketball etc into the game but i i will i will say that there are some broadcasters that definitely deserve their job and hopefully mm-hmm. this is a wake-up call for some other sports leagues to really review their own broadcast setting and as you stated before look at some of these up-and-comers from maybe a high school game college game or yep. whatever you want to call it and uh you know get give them that opportunity that they certainly deserve exactly exactly i mean like you said there are definitely uh some good broadcasters out there you know like you mentioned gary cohen great guy um you know i had the opportunity to talk to him a couple of times while doing some cn hall games because he's also the main you know the oh you know the pro broadcaster for cn hall uh, and then, you know, Jason Benetti does great for the White Sox and, and for ESPN as well. So there are some, but, you know, those, you know, those of us that are trying to break in, you know, get the, get those old guys out of there that, you know, uh, are, aren't in, as in tune with everything and are a liability risk because of some of these things that they've, they have done. And get some of the younger guys in uh, to, you know, fill that void. 
moving on, we've we've got a new number two guy in MLB history and runs bad in. That is Alex, or excuse me, that is Albert Pujols with 2086. Slip of the passed, tongue. <laughs> yes, he passed Alex Rodriguez last night. Uh, congratulations to him. But it's it's crazy to me, especially with the way the the baseball landscape is now. And we talk about the guys like you know Fernando Tatis Jr. We talk about all these younger guys. Uh, and even on his own team, a guy that isn't exactly super, super young anymore. But, you know, a lot of people talk about Mike Trout a lot more than they talk about Pujols. It's crazy to to remember that Pujols is still in the league. Well, and you also have to... So let's, let's, talk, let's start with the good first, and then I'll get into the bad of Albert Pujols, if you will. What I really like about Albert Pujols, especially breaking... Well, I'm sorry, not breaking the RBI record, but moving into second, you know, getting past Alex Rodriguez. I mean, Pujols, you know him. He's never really been tied to uh, PED use, especially with that Balco scandal that happened in 2004, and then the other scandal that Alex got caught in that gave him that 162-game suspension. We never saw that from Albert Poole, so kudos to him for doing it the right way mm-hmm. and becoming the machine as his nickname, as he well so deserves. When we talk about Albert Pujols, however, we talk about his Cardinals career, not his Angels Yeah, exactly. Career. And I'm going to point out specifically why we don't talk about Albert Pujols. Let me get some stats for you. So this was his first 11 years with the St. Louis Cardinals. 2,073 hits, 455 doubles, 15 triples, 445 home runs, 1,329 RBIs, a 328 batting average, a 1.037 OPS, three MVPs, one in 2005, one in 2008, one in 2009, Rookie of the Year, Nine all-star appearances, a two-time World Series champion for your 2006 and 2011 St. Louis Cardinals. Los Angeles, for nine years, 1,145 hits, 209 doubles, one triple, 214 home runs, 758 RBIs, a 257 batting average, a point. 762 OPS. The closest he ever got to MVP voting was 17th and only one All-Star appearance. Man, Brandon, this is why we don't talk about yeah. Albert Pujols like we used to because his career in Los Angeles, it's not. it's been one to be... I wish he'd do better. Well, and another thing, the the I don't know if you would say this is the bigger thing or if they're equally as big as the individual accolades that he's had but the fact that the angels have been mediocre at best for the majority of the time that he's been with them uh you know even mike trout it hits a little bit you know the only reason why people talk about trout is because that's all they've seen him as is as an angel so you know and he's been he's been doing phenomenally well but you'd have you have you would have to think with the likes of Pujols and with Trout, and like you said, you know, Pujols hasn't exactly done the greatest in L.A., but you would have to imagine that the Angels should be playing a lot better than they have been over the past decade. And 
it's it, it's really been sad to see you know a career like Pujols just kind of go out in mediocrity and obscurity essentially. I mean, when we talk about the Angels, they haven't really been relevant since. Uh, you mean we can go back to two thousand nine when your mm-hmm. New York Yan- when your New York Yankees defeated them in the ALCS yep. to get them that twenty seventh World Series, and even before then was two thousand two when they won the World Series against the uh, San Francisco yep. Giants, uh, the Troy Gloss year, as we like to call it. But you know what I find so funny about the Angels, right? I thought, even without Albert Pujols, let's take Albert Pujols out of the equation. You know, you had Mike Trout. You had Josh Hamilton at one Mm -hmm. point playing for the Angels when he was on that magical joyride with the Texas Rangers. And just to see that they have not played well in Los Angeles, I mean, that's more so just a testament to how that Angels organization is run. I mean, (laughs) let's be honest. You know, Mike Sosha, he was a great coach you know i respect him for that 2002 world series victory that he won but he definitely was not the best manager mm-hmm. in that 2010s decade when he was managing that that whole time and then i mean what we what who they have right now i think he was he used to manage the detroit tigers if i'm not mistaken is it uh um, is it brad osmus let me I have a feeling it's Brad Osmus. Joe Madden. Joe Madden. Well, ah, you know what? He was the ma- Brad Osmus was the manager last year. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah, and Joe- he got axed. And I mean, with Joe Madden, I mean, I'm surprised that he's not taking this team to at least. Now, I'm not saying that they were going to win a division or whatnot, because we'll talk about the Oakland Athletics in a minute. But you'd think that they'd talk, you know, at least bring them to maybe a potential wild card appearance. I mean, Joe Madden, he's nothing to sneeze at. Mr. World Time Champion with the Chicago Cubs back in 2016. It's just so surprising that. And, and I, I know we're going to be talking about the – we shouldn't be talking about the Angels for too long. No. <laughs> they really don't deserve that kind of uh, – yeah. that recognition or that coverage. But, you know, it, it it is what it is. The Angels are just a mediocre team, and I really don't see them getting any better until there are some true overhaul changes to management. Yeah, I mean, it's – it's pretty crazy um, to think about how uh, how the Angels have fallen. And ironically, we're going to actually segue into talking about a former Angel who just moved to a new team this year. Did you see what Cole Calhoun did last night? Uh, I mean, when I, when I looked at that... <laughs> When I looked at what he was trying to do, now listen, I understand wanting to take one for the team, help the team, you know, move forward with driving in offense, you know, getting the offense started, but what are you doing <laughs> wanting to get yourself hit in the head? He he like, went what? full he, he went full on football or soccer with it. Either A you're trying to like, you know, go in for a tackle and leave with your head, or he was going for a header on that one. It was it was quite the scene to see last night. I mean, and just another kind of just to touch upon this for me personally, I mean, I don't know why you would want to do that. I think that's very reckless considering 
the ramifications of getting hit in the head. Mm-hmm. I mean, to, as a as a New York Mets fan, you know, Rockies first for me, but Mets second. I remember fam- infamously that David Wright got hit in the head by mm-hmm. Matt Kane uh, back in the day. I remember Mike Piazza getting clobbered by Roger Clemens and him having to like l- you literally you saw him lying down on the ground for like five ten seconds, not knowing where he was. That was how scary that situation is. And so for Cole Calhoun to want to get hit in the head, that's just another level of insanity altogether. Yeah, and uh, we'll be talking about the Mets a little bit later, so stay tuned on that. I want to get your thoughts on some things when it comes to the Mets and some things in general. But first, let's talk about some uh, trade deadline uh, stuff. As the trade deadline looms, it is in less than a week on the 31st next Monday. Uh, the one name that has been floating around, and actually this does have to do with the Mets as well, uh, the one name that has been floating around is Indian starting pitcher Mike Clevenger. They're considering potentially moving him, and two teams that are looking for pitching are both New York teams, both the Yankees and the Mets. Uh... Before I give my thoughts, let me get your thoughts on what you think, uh, what you would think if the Mets decided to go after Clevenger. Well, I'm going to go, I'm going to first address should Clevenger be traded and should either the Mets or the Yankees really consider that move to me? No, here is why. Remember, we were talking Clevenger before this trade deadline stuff. We were talking about him essentially causing a schism within the Cleveland Indians locker room because of what he did. He got out past quarantine. He wasn't doing what he was supposed to do so to keep himself safe and healthy. And so looking at that situation first, we're just going to look at that in its entirety. If I'm the Mets, listen, we don't know if he has it. I mean, it takes about 14 days, if I'm not mistaken, for the incubation period to uh, run its course. So if if I'm the Mets and I know that Mike Clevenger did this, A, I don't trust the guy for him for, you know, potentially him doing this stuff again, especially when there's so much more to do in New York than there is in Cleveland. I mean, let's be 100% honest, all right? Yeah. All right, you ain't ain't. You ain't going to Cleveland past 2, 3 in the morning. You In New York, you might. You might. <laughs> oh, you definitely are in New York. And not only that, it's like, well, if he could potentially have it, does that mean that he could potentially infect the team, the staff? And then you would have another, uh, just another story, like we're talking about with the Miami Marlins, the St. Louis Cardinals, the Philadelphia Phillies at one point. I mean, and I know we're going to touch up on that stuff later, but if when I consider all of these factors, all these factors coming into whether I want Clevenger to come from Cleveland to New York, the answer for me is absolutely not. Absolutely not. I- I could. I'm right there with you. I completely agree with you with the Met, when when it comes to the Mets for the Yankees as well, and it's for the exact same reason. The one thing that the Yankees cherish the most out of anything for their players is professionalism. The whole thing with no you know no beard, no mustache, 
clean shaven. They want their guys to be professional. They want them to be precise. And they want them to be focused. And what Mike Clevenger did, along with... Uh, oh, I'm drawing a blank on his name now. Uh, the other pitcher, Plezak. Zach Plezak. Uh, Trevor, yeah, Plezak, yep. Trevor Plezak, yeah. Um, I'm thinking of his dad. Uh, but those two putting the team's health and the team's, you know, season in a way at risk, especially at that time, because remember, that was right after the Cardinals got hit. So if the Indians, if they had not taken care of the problem and the Indians had gotten hit and they would have been forced to quarantine as well, I think the season would have been over. Maybe I'm wrong, and we'll talk about this more later, but I think that would have been three strikes, you're out, done, shut it down. Because that would have been three K- three teams getting shut down within a matter of like a week and a half of the season. So that's the reason why I'm saying absolutely not to the Yankees going after Clevenger because he doesn't have that professionalism. He no. made a stupid mistake, and he's going to pay the price for it. Simple as that. He already did because he's in the he's at the uh, alternate site. He's not on the team right now. But and, I and, go and ahead. Just think about this. Not not to cut you off, Brandon. Yeah. Uh, ju- think about it like this, right? So not only is he being go is he going to the alternated designated camp? By remember hearing this from. Uh, from someone that that's also going to affect what we call his service time. Yep. Which, you know, as of when you get into like that free agent stuff, that's going to be very important for you. Mm-hmm. So what he did not only affected his, t- his standing with the team, but then he's also now messing up his free agency at that point. Exactly. Yeah. He messed up royally. He was one of the, uh, earlier, what, what I'm going to start to, consider the dumbass of the year award uh i'm gonna go full-on red foreman with this one and segueing into our next story the latest team to get the dumbass of the year award is one new york mets they get hit with covid one player one staff member gets it all games since thursday up until today they are playing today uh, were canceled, including a series with the Yankees over the weekend. And, again, we're going to talk about this more later with some other sports, but just focusing on baseball right now, this begs the question, how do you handle this as we progress into the home stretch? How are you going to deal with this if, what it, what happens if a team gets hit with it in the last week of the season? How are you going to make up those games? There are so many question marks with this that, and thank God, I mean, I think it is because of the bubble, but thank God that the NBA and NHL didn't have any problems whatsoever in, in their playoffs. You know, cross our fingers, it's still not over yet. But considering they've been in the bubble and there have been no indications of any uh, positive tests, I don't think there's going to be any problems go- moving forward for the remainder of this uh, of of the playoffs for either. 
But with the MLB, and, you know, we'll talk about the NFL and college football later, but, you know, with the MLB in particular, they're they're over, they're at the halfway mark now. They need to really start looking and seeing how are we going to make sure that we're able to finish the season, especially with the time crunch that they're on, in order, you know, even if a team potentially gets shut down for a couple of days, which seems to be happening a lot. Well, and listen, you don't need this coronavirus to tell me that the Mets have messed up their own season, if I could play, <laughs> do a word play. I mean, listen, the Mets are 12 and 14. They've got a lot of stuff to work on. I mean, we could talk about batting. Billy Hamilton, why are you here? And I get it. I'm guaranteeing you that that pitching prospect that we traded over to Kansas City is probably going to be a Hall of Famer for the Royals. You know, that's kind of how the Mets' success kind of has gone this past decade. But another story for the, another day for the Mets. What we're talking about, big picture, right? So, what we're talking about, big picture, is we have all these teams. Now, remember. Because of all these stories that we're going to keep hearing, I, I I bet you that this is not the last team that we're going to be talking about, you know, an outbreak going on with the coronavirus. Although, like I, I, like I said last week on the show, it seems like a lot of people, a lot of media outlets outside of, you know, obviously MLB is going to be reporting on it. But... You know, when it came to, I I forget what team got hit with one last week. I want to say it was the Tigers. Uh, but a team got shut down last week for a couple of games, and no one even talked about it. And this week, I think, outside of, you know, me just knowing about it because of being a Yankee fan and, and following the team and everything, I, did, I wouldn't have even known about this outbreak unless I had saw it as a result of the cancellations. No one was talking about it. I mean, you know, you watch, you know, first take, first thing, you know, first take, first things first, uh, you know, get up. All those shows and, you know, Sports Center and everything, they were talking, you know, when the Marlins got hit at the beginning of the season, when the Cardinals got hit and they got shut down for almost, you know, a, a third of the season, uh, they were talking about it and they were saying, is this really viable to do? And now it seems like everyone's just kind of at the point of, okay, it is what it is. This is the new normal. So what? You know, and that's not a good look. Well, the whole is what it is kind of laissez-faire attitude. That that needs to stop, especially when we talk about the coronavirus. You know, when it will take the MLB to really start to consider how, you know, how reckless they're being is it'll take a freaking either superstar to get seriously uh, seriously ill or it could take a mlb player to and believe me let's knock on wood so this don't happen but Mm. it it will it could take an mlb player dying to like be for the mlb to be like oh we need to uh reconsider how we're doing this now i want to go back to uh, the m uh, the nba nhl bubble environment I have been a strong proponent of that. Mm-hmm. This should have happened. You could have had three bubbles set up. 
you know, one for the NL ALS, one for the NL AL Central, and one for the AL NL East. Now, I understand that players, managers initially did decline to do that, saying that they did not want to do that. But you know what? By not doing this, this is the environment that we're living in and what we're talking about. And actually, now that I think about it, I, I was trying to think of the logistics behind it, but each division has a a a city that they could easily pull this off in. East could be New York. You have two two stadiums. Central could be Chicago. West could be LA. Simple. Yeah. Because that right. way you could get multiple games in at once. Well, and and it's not too late to do the bubble environment. Now you'll have to delay the MLB season for a bit. No, no going around that. And listen to the people that don't want that. I understand. We have been waiting for baseball for a heck of a lot. I mean, remember, if this was technically the MLB season actually resuming, we'd be uh, you know into f- month four of, or the uh, fifth month, I believe. So I totally mm-hmm. get that, but. If we don't take this seriously, then, Brandon, we're going to talk about more teams. We're going to talk about more outbreaks. And I guarantee you that we're going to talk about a player getting seriously injured, seriously ill. And then we're going to have a bigger conversation. And all of this mess is on Manfred's plate. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree with you. I think I did hear a report, um, I think Jeff Passan mentioned it uh, either last week or sometime earlier this week, uh, that the MLB is considering doing a bubble for the playoffs. So that's a good sign uh, if they do decide to go that route. Uh, But, like you said, it's kind of one of those, you know, you're kind of just waiting for the next shoe to drop. Uh, and then on top of that, even outside of the issues of the coronavirus and, and the risks that it creates and the problems that it creates, you have another issue when it comes to the fact of how this season has come to be and how quickly it came to be. Glaber Torres is out for at least two weeks for the Yankees. James Paxton is shut down for 14 days. And James Paxton came out very bluntly and said, the quick preseason is to, bl- is, to be- is to be blamed for all of these injuries this season. And quote, we didn't get enough time. And I completely agree with you. We uh, agree with him. We've been seeing a lot of injuries this season thus far. And... As we get further into crunch time, as we get further towards the stretch run, it's it's going to hurt some teams. I'm calling it right now. Some major player, you know, the Yankees have already felt it. Aaron Judge was shut down for a few days. Torres, obviously. Uh, I think Stanton might have been shut down for a couple of days. Uh, you know, major players on playoff teams have been shut down and it's not a good look for the MLB uh so yeah it's it's gonna be a rough ride for the remainder of the season let's put it that way I've kind of moved beyond what I said a few weeks ago and at this point like I said last week 
I'm kind of just throwing my hands up in the air and saying it is what it is and you just have to kind of move forward from there because no one is willing to do the smart thing uh but you know it it's going to be a rough ride for the remainder of the season well and i i completely agree with what paxton is saying that you know with how the quick preseason how this league came to be the the summer uh, this, the training camp what we're talking about is MLB players do not have that specific conditioning that they go under through late February into early March before the opening season. They don't get that conditioning that allows them to be accustomed to playing a normal season. However, I will say this. You know, a team like the Yankees, for example, the other thing that we're not talking about is all these delays. How does mm-hmm. that affect team conditioning? That's actually a good point. I, I meant to bring that up as well. How does, not just for the Yankees, but, you know, for the Mets, for the Cardinals especially, with them Oy. losing so many games. The Marlins? Not, the Marlins as well. Not only do you have to wonder how does it affect conditioning when it comes to having that much of a delay, but then on top of that, you toss an added bonus issue for conditioning of they're playing double headers pretty much every day. Yeah, and you know what? The MLB tried to address that by the those seven-inning doubleheader mm-hmm. games, which, you know what, was a good idea, especially for this season. So even, I will give even, them... Even though it makes it feel like a uh, summer league game. Well, I mean, listen, Brandon, this is not... Oh, yeah. Uh, when I go into this season, this is not a normal season. No, and no. so we have to... Listen, I love the fact that we have, for example, you know, the extra added playoff teams. I know that this was a radical... Uh, I know that they were trying to expand the postseason even before the outbreak, yeah. but this is great for teams to get, you know, kind of ahead in the game, be competitively involved. And so, But you do have a good point. A lot of these teams moving forward because it's a 60 game season. We're not even half. Some teams are halfway there. Some teams aren't. But it'll be interesting to see which teams are going to be able to move forward. Who is going to get the injury bug really late in the season? And that could affect the outcome of the of this MLB season, the postseason. Listen. This whole season, by the way, is under an asterisk, well, especially yeah. with all these rule changes. Well, that that's something I was actually going to bring up because, you know, we were talking about a trade deadline, and, and I was reading Jeff Passan's uh, article on it yesterday, and he brought something up that I think, I think a lot of teams, maybe some of the top-end teams aren't so much thinking this because they're like, oh, we still want to win a World Series no matter what, but... I think a lot of teams are probably thinking, is it really worth it to try this hard when this is basically essentially a glorified exhibition season? The season doesn't really matter. The you know, it's it's like that whose line is in any way saying, you know, the, the, the rules are made up and the points don't matter. That's that's what the twenty twenty MLB season is in a nutshell. So you know, it, it's get, that's another that's an an aspect to the trade deadline where a lot of teams aren't willing to really make these crazy moves because it's like 
is it really worth it for a made-up season? I mean, not only on top of that, but when we talk about trades and now you're moving players for, for example, I'm not saying that this would happen because you probably get a heart attack, but let's say Aaron Judge was traded to the Dodgers and you get Mookie Betts. You go Aaron Judge, now you're from New York, traveling all the way into the Mm -hmm. West. God knows if he gets affected by coronavirus. And the same thing for Mookie Betts, too. Does that cause a widespread infection? And then how – it's the trickle-down effect. Like, how far is this going to go? Yeah, I mean, that's another thing that was brought up in the article as well. And a lot of players are saying, no, we don't want to be traded right now. You know, we'll do it if we have to, obviously. But, you know, no one wants to get traded right now. And it's like, I think a lot of players, and I don't know about teams, but I think a lot of players right now, especially on some of the mid-level teams, are kind of just spinning their wheels, just saying, let's just get through this, and kind of just sighing at the whole season. Uh, So, you know, it's going to be interesting to see where we go from here. Um Lots of chaos. Uh, looking at the standings after over a third of the season, just about half. Well, for some teams, at half. Uh, the AL East is probably the craziest race. Well, uh, hold AL, on, hold AL on. East the AL, AL Central, Central would like a word. I was word. just gonna say. I was just gonna say. Um, AL East, though, you've got Yankees and Rays fighting for the top spot. The race sweeping the series against the Yankees this past week hurts the Yankees big time going into the stretch. Mm. Uh, and like we talked about, how it's it's going to be interesting to see how the Yankees adapt to now having to get back into the groove of playing after missing two days that they would have been playing otherwise uh, So as a result of the Mets uh, getting the dumbass award. So it, it it's gonna it, it's gonna be interesting. I'm um, I'm hoping the Yankees can get the uh, can can get their mojo back on, especially after getting swept by the Rays. But they really need to get things going. Uh, so that's gonna be a, an interesting one. Like you mentioned, AL Central: Twins, Indians, White Sox, all vying for that number one spot. Who you got in that one? So it's funny because so let me do a quick analysis on each of the uh, these three teams: Twins, White Sox, Indians. Twins they are ob- they are obviously the home run power threat in the division. I mean, you've got Miguel Sano, Nelson Cruz. I mean, those two players alone are gonna not, are gonna cause fear in any particular pitcher that you got. So I, I'm definitely taking that under consideration. Indians. I have to say this once again, Terry Francona, you have done a wonderful job managing this team. How do you get through trading your ace, if you will, over to the Texas Rangers, leaving you without one of your top pitchers and also have to go through this scandal? Yet you're telling me that you're a 17 and 12 team, second for their division, almost uh, creeping up on the Twins feet, only 2.5 games behind. Incredible job done by Terry Francona. And once again, definitely one of those managers that you never really talk about, but he's certainly underrated. When we talk about the White Sox, they're just fun. All right. The I, the optimism, the positivity that I have seen from this White Sox team, let me tell you a story. I have not seen this since 2005. 
And that was a big year for the White Sox, if I remember correctly. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, the big question, who is going to win this division? Who is going to be on top? Well, when I look at that specifically, I take two things into consideration. One, your bullpen ERA, because your bullpen is going to help you during late in the season. You're going to need a lockdown bullpen for the postseason. And number two, you're going to need the coaching and the managerial skills in order to to effectively have your bullpen ready as well as your pitchers, batting, etc. So I looked into bullpen ERA for all three teams. Cleveland's relief ERA is 2.64. Chicago is 3.68. Minnesota is 3.40. When I take that into consideration and also that Terry Francona is indeed a, if I, a two-time World Series champion, 2004-2007, Cleveland Indians are going to win this division. I could, I could see that. I, I could see the Indians winning it, definitely. Um, I'm, I'm curious to see if the White Sox are going to be able to uh, do anything. Uh, because they seem like they're a team on the rise. Uh, so I could see them certainly doing, uh, something, uh, moving forward. I, I think it'll probably be Indians and, uh, White Sox, one and two. I, I, I'm not sure if the Twins are there quite yet. Uh, AL West, uh, you've got Oakland pretty much have it wrapped up minus a huge run by the Astros and I the think, cheating Astros. Yes, yeah. I, I think most fans of any other team other than the Astros are hoping that that does not happen. <laughs> uh, yeah, go- that makes sense. <laughs> go- going over to the NL, uh, the wacky NL East is um, just a big old messy. Braves are out in front right now, up two games on the Marlins, who have not played a full uh, slate of games. Uh, I think the Braves probably have it locked down, um, but we'll see. Cubs pretty much have the central locked down, uh, as do the Dodgers, uh, in the West. So, a lot more intrigue in terms of the standings at the halfway point in the AL than it, than there is in the NL, that's for sure. Well, what I find so curious is I just want to touch up on the NL Central. Mm-hmm. What in the world happened to the Milwaukee Brewers? This was a team two years ago that was in Game 7 of the NLCS against the Dodgers. Last year, lost to the World Series champion Nationals in the wild card game. And you now mean to tell me that this team is, is looking like a below 500 team, 12 well, or 15, not even smelling the playoffs? I mean... You gotta be. Yeah, that's crazy to me. I, I I think the Brewers are doing the reverse of what they've what they used to do in the past. You know, the last couple of years they they would start off slow, and then they'd build themselves up and get into the playoffs and make those playoff runs. Back when they were, you know, where they are now, essentially, they used to start off really hot. And then, you know, slide down. And now it's basically combining the two. Now they're starting off slow, but they don't have that extra timing to ramp themselves back up. So now it's pretty much they're dead in the water. And and, and that's and that's a great point, Brandon. A lot of these teams, yes, I understand that 
you know, if this was a full 162 game season. I mean, we'd have teams that we didn't think have a shot, you know, mm-hmm. find the Nationals, for example, <laughs> last year. Yeah. They were 19 and th- at 19 and I believe 36 in May and somehow got themselves into into the World and, Series championship. Well, think about what you said right there. 19 and 36. How many games is that? That's uh, almost seven or yeah. fifty five. Yeah, that's five less than the entire season this year. And, and so when we see these teams, I mean, whoever has the the strong the strong fast start, that's going to be their momentum into the exactly. playoffs because you don't ha- these teams don't have that many games to catch up on towards the division leaders if that makes sense and what's going to be weird too is going to be like we were talking about before there's a weird like split between some teams have played most if not all their games already a lot of teams have played like close to only half of those games so it's like it's going to be this weird rush to the finish of some teams kind of jogging along because they've played all their games, and these other teams just sprinting, trying to get to the finish line and to get to the playoffs. And uh, I'm also going to do a, a quick take on the Phillies. Bryce Harper, guys, okay. Uh, I, I've seen enough. You, Bryce Harper does not deserve that $300 million contract, not with the way these Phillies are playing. Do you, do you think they should try to ship him off? Who would take... Uh, they should, but who's going to take yeah. it? I mean, I, I'm trying to think of if there's any teams. I mean, he hasn't been producing all that well this year, but any teams that may need the bat that, you know, they say, hey, maybe he'll heat up later on in the season. Maybe you could trade him to the Pirates. <laughs> oh, come on. The Pirates are not in no buying position. I mean, that's, that's a team. I mean, they need to bring some excitement. Uh, I mean... There, what else do you want me to say? I mean, <laughs> I mean, what but, excitement are they going to bring? You know, they don't. There's not any fans that they have to worry about this season. Maybe not this season, uh, especially yeah. with the way they're playing. But uh, even on the TV. But you know, next season, what are they going to do? True, true, true. Uh, one final little story that um, that I saw this week uh, for baseball before we move on to some other sports. Did, did did you see the A's bear get hit in the head? Uh yeah, was it that like teddy bear thing yeah. if I remember? Yeah, there yeah, Oakland instead of putting these cardboard cups up, they've been putting stuffed animals out uh in the seats uh to enjoy the game. And one poor teddy bear uh got hit square in the head with a foul ball. He was bandaged up. He's okay now, but uh, it was it was kind of a it was an interesting thing to see uh, watching the video. If you haven't seen it, check it out. And so, well so done, Grant- to, uh, real quick. Well done to the A's. Uh, they took a picture of him the next day with the ball and being bandaged up, and right next to him was an elephant with an A's helmet on. And for those who of you who may not. Uh, follow baseball history all that much back when they were with phil back when the a's were in philly the elephant and i guess they still use it every now and again in oakland uh 
the elephant was the mascot of the athletics. So well done to the athletics kind of tipping their hat to their uh, mask, their old mascot. Well, and uh, I'm just glad that the Teddy was able to bear that hit. Well done, Teddy. <laughs> well done, well done. Uh, we'll take a quick break, and then we'll come right back with some NBA news. So keep it locked right here. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo, and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome back as we have some NBA news to talk about. Uh, first, I told you the NBA tried to do the dirty to the Mavericks. And the Mavericks should be up 3-1 to one right now. They dominated the Clippers. In game two. Then in game four, Luka, even with a bad ankle, comes up clutch, making the game-winning buzzer beater in overtime. Well done, Luka. And, yeah, the Mavericks should be three-one. Should be up 3-1 at this point. They're 2-2 two and two right now. And I am going to be livid if the Mavericks do not beat the the clippers especially if this game this goes to seven because that would mean that the clippers should have won it already uh, i will definitely say that poor zingus ejection and game run is certainly looming large for the complexity of this series yes. and, and it is amazing to think because i did say this on on the show that we did uh on keeping at 100 that you know the <clears throat> The Dallas Mavericks had control of that game in game one when Porzingis was ejected. Now, even so, I still think, and I have predicted that the Clippers will win this series. I definitely believe this is going to now be a seven-game series. There is a promising future for Dallas, whether or not they win this series. I mean, the offseason will be good to them because you'll have a lot of free agents that are going to look at Porzingis, that are going to look at Donkic, and are like, oh, my God, I want to play for not only them, but that coach and Rick Carlisle. Rick Carlisle does not not get enough credit for the job he's put together while he's at Dallas. And Luca, to uh, all of the anime fans listening to this show right now, he's got that ultra-high killer instinct. Ooh. (laughs) <laughs> my boy <laughs> oh yeah i mean the mavericks are definitely a team on the rise uh they're gonna be a fun team and a team to watch for the foreseeable future so you know 
even if they get screwed over and don't make it to the second round this season, they're definitely the team to watch in the West for the foreseeable future. Uh, some quick other notes. Uh, first from the uh, the playoff land, uh, from the playoff bubble, uh, both the Raptors and the Celtics swept their series, will face each other in the second round. Uh, Nets and Sixers... Uh, still have some things to look forward to, especially with the Nets with Kyrie and Durant coming back healthy next year. We'll talk about the Sixers a little more in just a second. Miami also swept the Pacers, so they move on. Uh, and then for the remainder of the series, is uh, LA's up 3-1 on Portland after winning last night. Houston and OKC tied at 2. Utah up 3-1 on Denver. And like we mentioned before, the Clippers and Dallas tied at two. Uh, and then the final series in, over on the eastern side, Bucks up by three on Orlando. So just about set to head into the second round of the NBA playoffs. We'll, uh, we'll definitely have all the second round teams next week. Uh, so we'll talk more about the second round next week. Uh, Looking like it's going to be a good remainder of the playoffs. Uh, Moving on to uh, the draft, the draft lottery that we had uh, this past week. Surprise, surprise, the the Warriors did not get the number one overall pick. That went to the Timberwolves. So the Timberwolves more than likely will probably draft uh, LaMelo Ball. Uh... And then Golden State at 2, Charlotte 3, Chicago 4, Cleveland at 5, and uh, the Knicks get get screwed over again. Knicks They're all the way down break. at 8. What? They can't, the Knicks can't catch a damn break. No, no, they really cannot. Um, so there, there's, your, uh, there's your draft lottery um ranking the draft lottery order uh for you guys um so that should be interesting to see how that uh works out uh some other notes adam silver mentioned that next season may not start until after december 1st uh this is gonna make for an interesting uh off season we'll see no official date obviously yet on when the season will start uh but this is going to make every season, every league season outside of uh, the MLB and NFL uh, moving forward be affected, which is going to create a whole new sports calendar for the next couple of years. So it's going to be it's going to be an interesting ride for sports fans over the next couple of years at how all this chaos in 2020 has a lasting effect on the sports world. Uh and the big story in the NBA, 76ers fire head coach Brett Brown. I mentioned mm-hmm. last week when it came came to Alvin Gentry and him being the scapegoat for the Pelicans' struggles in the bubble. Uh, this is the same for Brett Brown. Uh, he's the fall guy for the pro, for yeah, excuse me, poor playoff performance. And now the question is, do they decide to trade either Ben Simmons or Joel Embiid, 
or do they keep the process alive and just move forward with a new head coach? Something someone mentioned on, on ESPN, I forget what show it was on, uh, but it, it made me think of something. Uh, you have Sim- Simmons and Embiid, which are post guys. They're, they're big men, they're down low. But you don't really have a, a big perimeter three-pointer shooter presence. So I think what the Sixers need, they don't necessarily need to blow it up or anything. They just need to get, even if he's technically a role player, even if he's like a Ray Allen type or, you know, like a Clay Thompson type or, you know, there, there's other names that you can, you can mention of guys that were primarily three-point shooters that could just make it from anywhere, but they didn't really do all that much else. If you could get them on the cheap, it... I think it could help the team a lot because you'd have that guy that you pass it down to Simmons or Embiid. Defense crashes in to protect the the paint, and then he just kicks it out to the perimeter guy. He and he drains a three. Simple as that. So you know, if if you have that those three point threats, I mean that's why the Rockets are so successful because they can spread the floor out. They don't really have much of a big man. But if they had a big man like an Embiid or a or a Simmons, they could be dominant. Well, when I look at let's talk about Brett Brown. I mean, seven years with the Seventy Sixers. Sometimes you just need to find that. Uh, it's talked around in football circles too. Sometimes you just need to find that new voice for the players. So yeah, I'm not saying that Brett Brown did necessarily a terrible job. But I also understand that the 76ers coming into the season definitely had some high playoff expectations, especially last year when there were seven games with the world's uh, world's I'm sorry, the champion Toronto Raptors injuries aside, because I understand what happened to Ben Simmons. The 76ers just didn't look competitive at all against Boston. I mean, Embiid can't do it alone. And when we see that lack, when I at least see that lack of that competitive look, that always goes back to the head coach. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would definitely have to agree with that. Um, may, maybe you're right. Maybe they do get a new uh, head coach in there that can light a fire under the team and, and get them back to their winning ways. Do you hold, do you have do you think there is any credence to the rumors that are spreading around of either the Knicks or the 76ers going after Greg Popovich? The Knicks already have Tom Thibodeau, so... Oh, wait, no, 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 with... not the Knicks. Uh, the Nets, rather. Oh, well, see, that's that's a really interesting question. The Nets... I really don't know because, again, I look at – when I look at the Nets, right, they were playing without with their best players minus KD and KI. So mm-hmm. was I really expecting anything from them against Toronto in that playoff series? Not really. Now, I will tell you, next season you better, better watch out for Karius LeVert because he is looking more and more like, you know, obviously KD, KI, they're, they're number one and two respectively on the team. But Karius is looking like that solid three. So I would like to see what this coach does, and I'm, I 
don't have the name offhand, so <laughs> I apologize. Uh, but but uh, Jack. Oh, he's an interim coach. Interesting. See, I would give Jack Vaughn a chance to do his own season, and let's see because again, he got them to the playoffs. And so, knowing that, I would like to see what Jack can do with a full season going into next year. Uh, yeah, I, I could see that. I, I could see them um, doing that and just kind of testing it out the waters. Um, it's definitely going to be an interesting off season on the Northeast uh, for uh, a lot for all three NBA teams. Uh, the Knicks, Nets, and and Sixers, and and you know Boston, obviously too. We'll see where they go in the playoffs. Uh, so that'll do it for our NBA talk. We'll take a quick break and then come right back and talk some hockey news. Uh, talk some hockey playoffs right here on Sports Unlimited. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere wear with daily bonuses that should brighten your day a little actually a lot so sign up now at chumbacasino.com that's chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus welcome back as we have some hockey news first off before we uh get into the playoffs the capitals fired their head coach tom reardon after uh, they get knocked out of the playoffs. Not really all that surprising because the Capitals once were... The the Capitals, I mean, yeah, they won the Stanley Cup a few years ago. uh, But outside of that, they've been this team that has always been the talk of the town, has always been one of the top teams in the league, and just have not been able to get it... uh, get the job done when it's come to crunch time and in the playoffs. In other words, the same damn Capitals before they won the Cup? (laughs) Yes, precisely. Yeah, they won the Cup once, and Capitals fans were thinking, oh, now we're actually going to win the Cup, you know, every year. Nope, you're just going to go right back to being the Capitals you've always been. I, I mean, you have this guy, Todd Reardon, right? And remember, in two of the years that he coached, he was first in the division standings. And so to see two disappointing first-round playoff exits, this one this year, this one the other one last year, I mean, it, it really is the same memeable caps that we're accustomed mm-hmm. to, you know, before that yeah. that championship happened. Exactly. They they won the championship and, and everyone was thinking, oh, things are turning around in Washington. They're actually going to, you know, be a contender every year and they may win a few uh, championships. And then, nope, they just went right back to the way they were prior to the Cup. 
So, yeah, Capitals fans not exactly all that happy right now. But here are a few teams that are. A few teams fans that are. The teams that have advanced to the second round, which is underway now. First off, in the West, you've got Vegas against Vancouver, and I think you I think you can agree with me. Vegas, I think, has that one on lock. Yeah, that's not really that's really not all surprising. I mean, the Vegas Golden Knights, my God, what a story. You're talking about a team that really is an expansion team and has just blown our expectations out the wazoo i mean they I mean, won the stanley cup in their first season of existence uh hold on they did not win that stanley cup. oh wait they got you're right. into you're the right stanley they got cup. into the Stan- you're right you're right you're right you're right no no no. but 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 i understand why yeah. you said that i mean that was the year the capitals won and it was like wait yeah. capitals did something good yeah. <laughs> but still they made it to the stanley cup in their first year of existence that's unheard of I mean, it, you. I have not seen that. That's the first time it's ever been, I believe, done in history. Yeah. So, I in think Vegas, for any sport, I, even yeah, exactly, even for any sport. I mean, <laughs> it's definitely not happened in the MLB. Definitely not in the NFL. Definitely not in the NBA, to my understanding. Yeah. So, I'm. I listen, Vancouver. Congratulations for getting this far, but you ain't going anywhere. <laughs> uh, <laughs> now, now, now for for your abs, I think they oh, do have okay. a chance. I, I think they do have a chance of being Dallas. It's going to be mean, a tough fight, but I think they do have a chance. Well, here's the thing about the Avalanche, because I'm glad you brought that up. We are actually down 2-0 oh, to okay. the uh, Dallas Stars. So, But, you know... I did want to talk about this because I am the Avalanche fan in the room here. It is disappointing, especially because I saw this Avalanche team last round against the Arizona Coyotes. You had all these different players stepping up, contributing goal after goal after goal. And so taking that momentum into Dallas, I thought they would have that same momentum. But to see them laying an egg, I mean, Dallas scoring five goals in both of these playoff games, when we normally have our stuff on lockdown, it's concerning to me. And, you know, the game tomorrow at uh, 8.30 my time, I'm, I'm worried. <laughs> I'm very worried. Yeah, it, 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 it's going to be a tough one. I, I think they have the chance of coming back, but it's like you said, it's going to be tough being down 2-0. Uh, now over, going over to the East, Philly, Island, Philly against Islanders. That's going to be a tough series. Um, right now, the standings in that one, uh, Islanders lead it one nothing. Uh, so I think the Islanders can can advance, uh, but they're they're going to have a tough hill to climb against the number one seeded uh, Flyers. That's that's for sure. Not uh, to show it, my how my hometown bias, but uh, let's go Islanders. <laughs> Well, same here, so even though I'm a Devils fan. Uh, I mean, actually, that that's a fun... Do you want to hear a quick funny story? Okay, quick historical story? So before your team became the New Jersey Devils... They were you the guys, Colorado Rockies. Exactly. Yeah. And, and before that, they were the Kansas City Scouts. That I did not know. Yeah. 
Or I forget if it's if they were the Scouts first, then the Rockies, and then the Devils, or Rockies, then Scouts, then Devils. But, they yeah, they've been in two other locations prior to New Jersey. And, yeah, they were the original Colorado Rockies. And it was all the more sweeter when we when the Avalanche got that 2001 championship. By the way, oh <laughs> shut up! It should have been a two. It should have been a repeat. Should have been a repeat. Uh, uh, go, yeah, going, right. <laughs> going over to the other side of the bracket for the East. Uh, Boston leads the Lightning one nothing. Uh, Lightning the two seed, but I think they're in trouble as well. I could. I could definitely see it being Boston and the Islanders in the semis. And that would, that would be, that would just be so 2020 that, you know, two of the lowest seeds, uh, make it, uh, to the, uh, to the, the Eastern conference finals. Uh, so that, that'll do it for our hockey talk. Uh, we'll take a quick break, and then we'll have some NFL news and notes for you right here on Sports Unlimited. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome back as we have some NFL news. First, some not really cheerful news, but better than the second story. That's for sure. Uh, actually, a very good story news story real quick that came out just earlier today uh buddha baker uh pro bowler from the cardinals signed a new contract uh he will become the highest paid safety in the nfl with a four-year 59 million dollar extension so congrats to him uh well deserved yeah well deserved definitely and the Cardinals will definitely be happy that they have him locked up for the foreseeable future. A team that's on the rise. I'm not quite, I'm not really all that confident in Kyler Murray. Uh, but, you know, we'll see how he does in his second year uh, this season. Uh, Going, not, go ahead. Sorry, I'm not, not, I'm not putting the Arizona Cardinals as obviously a team that's going to go to the playoffs. No. I have a lot of good hopes for Kyler Murray. I do think he's a very talented quarterback. And with the addition of DeAndre Hopkins, uh, the Cardinals are going to be really fun to watch this year. I that, did forget about Hopkins joining uh, the Cardinals. And, that, and does help, think, that does help Murray. And I will say, Cardinals having a fun season, I did not expect that to be talking about them. <laughs> no, having a not fun at season all. This year. Not at all. Uh, and then the other news before we get to the big news of this week, Earl Thomas cut by the Ravens. Rumor is that, uh, well, he was cut following an altercation with fellow safety Chuck Clark. Initial rumors was that Dallas was interested in him, but now they're saying they're not. 
Uh, so another guy, a lot like Jadavian Clowney, that's on the market now this late in the in the process. And who knows where he's going to land. I mean, Dallas could really use a guy like Earl Thomas. I was actually doing some uh, players' football focus analysis. Their highest player at safety is uh, Darian Thompson at number 23. Well, when, you, when I consider Thomas, right, not only are you bringing in that talent, but you're bringing in that experience and leadership to a Dallas defense that, re- that clearly needs a veteran presence like Thomas, someone who is of championship experience, championship caliber, maybe brings the Dallas Cowboys to rel- relevance finally. You know, I, I don't know. I, but, I think – go ahead. But I will say, going back to that incident, it, it certainly is not a good look for uh, Thomas's reputation. And I only hope that his talent and ability can make this incident go away, but he has to focus on playing football this year. We can't have any stuff like this coming up uh, during the course of this year. Yeah, well, I think that's one of the reasons, and uh, reports were saying that the Cowboys, along with other teams that were interested, were wanting to get the full story from the Ravens of what the details were of the on-field altercation uh, between him and Clark. So, maybe the reason for why the Cowboys aren't going after him is they found out something that they didn't like from the the report. Maybe they found out something about what happened on the field uh, during practice that they said, okay, he's a bit of a loose cannon, we're, we're going to steer clear. Uh, the fact that the Cowboys especially, and Jerry Jones are steering clear of a guy of Thomas's caliber, that's not a good look. So it's it's going to be interesting to see who who goes after him, if anyone, at this point, especially this late in the game. Uh, one final story for the NFL, uh, and this is a big one, and this is worrying. This is very worrying for the NFL season. 77 false positive tests for COVID-19 over the weekend. It's a good thing they were false positives. And, you know, thank God that they were false positives. But this is a big, glaring hole in the NFL's plan for the season. These false positives happened on Saturday. And they had to alter their Sunday practice schedules. What would have happened if this was during the season? This affected 11 teams. Over a third of the teams had to postpone their practices. Which, if this were in the season, it would have been games. Would have been disastrous for the NFL. Disastrous if that happened during the regular season. Exactly. They really need to figure out, okay, what what do we do from here? Because you cannot have a situation like this where you have the potential for a third of your games to get shut down. I mean, this 
goes back to what we've been saying about the about the bubble system. Mm-hmm. NFL has to adopt that model. And here's the thing: this is how I would treat this season. Is this a radical look? Perhaps, but I believe this way will help us make sure that we protect the players as best we can. First off, get a bubble, have four bubbles, one for the NFC, AFC East, one for the NFC, AFC North, one for the NFC, AFC South, one for the NFC, AFC West. Go, the regular season games, strictly only, you know, for example, the Broncos play just the NFC, AFC West. For example, your Giants would play just the AFC, A- NFC, AFC East. Is that radical? Yes. I believe, though, this is the best way to make sure you can still have a season this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would definitely agree with that. And, I mean, there are places you can uh, put the games. Now, the one problem, and I actually wrote about this for Clutch Points a few weeks back, but the one problem, the one big problem when it comes to a bubble system for the NFL is where are you going to play these games? And not only that, this isn't like baseball or like basketball where, you know, one game isn't going to hurt the field all that much and so therefore you can, you know, play another game on it in the same day. Football takes a lot of wear and tear on the field. Uh, and, you know, even teams, you know, even at places like, uh, you know, MetLife and at Heinz Field with Pitt and the Steelers playing there or like with, uh, you know, Sun Life Field or whatever it's called now down in Miami uh, with the Hurricanes and the Dolphins playing there. And those are even on back-to-back days. This isn't even trying to do multiple games on the same day. Those fields need a lot of work in order to get them back to fully playable, ready after a football game. Another thing to consider, Brandon, and I talk about, and I've talked about this, the NFL in comparison to the NBA playing, the MLB playing, the NHL playing. Those three sports that I just mentioned, the way that they're played have some social distancing method, if you will. Mm. What I'm worried about the NFL is we're talking about O-line and D-line being, you know, sardine together, like like COVID sardines. And, you know, the quarterback has to go into the into the, the the scrimmage itself you know yeah. the quarterback's not going to go shotgun every time mm-hmm. and the running back is right behind the quarterback like the only if you will i guess players that could sort of be protected are those wide receivers yeah. as long as you're not you well, know, going into press with the defensive backs wide receivers defensive backs linebackers and safeties that's pretty much it exactly so, yeah, I mean, that's, that is a very good point. Um, to be fair for, you know, especially basketball, you know, when you're playing, you know, especially if you're playing a man-to-man defense, you're right up against uh, against your guy. So, you know, you don't really have much social distancing uh, in the NBA either. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, there, there are so many different uh, aspects to this, and... It's coming down to the wire, and it's going to be very interesting to see how how things progress in the NFL and in this other sport. 
We're going to segue right into college football. Lots and lots of bad, bad news for college football this week. Really not surprising. Really first, not. First off, let's start in the ACC, shall we? Notre Dame forced to halt in-person classes after 146 students current track the coronavirus. North Carolina and Notre Dame also halt their athletics activities. North Carolina did go back to practice on Monday. Uh, but just more and more bad news for football season. Just over a week into school's opening and more than a month before the season starts. Also in the ACC, NC State moved to online only, which North Carolina already did last week. Subsequently postponed all the athletic practice due to a cluster within the programs, which is not a good thing. And it made me think of something, actually. You can have all the players, or all the, the regular students go away as much as you want. You're not going to be able to control all the student-athletes. And you'd have to think about it. This isn't just football we're talking about. This is soccer. This is volleyball. This is, you know, I think track runs in the fall, if I remember correctly. So you have all of these athletes on campus still. You don't think they're going to be throwing parties? You don't think they're going to be socializing amongst each other? It's a recipe I've, for disaster. I've also alluded to this uh, on my show uh, two weeks ago. Uh, this particular environment is not is not good. No. Here's the difference between, if I may, a college athlete going into the season compared to a professional athlete. At least with the professional people, you're getting paid money. Mm-hmm. College you're not also you have to be worried about your education if your grades slip up you're not playing football anymore god knows you're worried about your family god knows the parents are worried about their kids and so when i look at the college football season even all college sports together and yes it's it sucks for the players and i definitely get there's some that don't want the college football season to be postponed but brandon i can't do this I cannot have college football this year. I just cannot. See, the the brain side of me is saying I completely agree with you. And if people were rational, that's how it would go. That the, the season would be postponed and we'd just have to figure it out from there. But with the way things have been going, and, and I said it last week, I'll say it again. And, and this week has already passed. We're getting closer and closer to that ultimate, you have to make a choice one way or another position. And we are getting to the point where who's got, what side is going to win? Is it going to be the side that says, hey, this is a real threat. This is a real, uh, a, a real problem. We need to shut this down to make sure the kids are safe. Or do we have the people who say, oh, it's a hoax or whatever the hell they say, and we need to just drudge forward? If 
you know, and and unfortunately, I hate to say it, but I think we are headed towards the latter. And those of us who understand that the virus is still a real threat are going to just have to throw up our hands and say, okay, we understand, we have to move forward, and just be as careful as possible. I don't like it, but it is what it is at this point. Uh, going into some other conferences, uh, ECU also, East Carolina also went to online only. Michigan State also went online only. Them, their season was already sp- suspended as is, so it doesn't really matter all that much athletically. Alabama reported over 560 cases since classes started. And I think they've only been in for like a week or a week and a half. No bueno for the number one overall team in the in the nation. Or, excuse oh, me. They're still they're, on that? <laughs> yes. Alabama hasn't gone to the... Did the, or, Alabama go to the uh, the finals this year? No. Or, yes, they did. Yes, they did. Oh, no, no, no. No, they didn't. No, they didn't. It was LSU against... Uh, LSU against Clemson, and I That's misspoke. Right. I misspoke. Actually, Clemson is the number one team in the in the nation in the. 80s. Oh please, excuse me. Uh, Appalachian State announced a coronavirus cluster in their football team. Suspended activities. Just a bad, bad week. And I guess since we since I mentioned it, I I guess I should probably give some good news, even if it's probably a moot point. Well, who knows at this point. But the uh, AP poll did come out this week. They have Clemson at number one overall. And surprisingly, Ohio State is at number two. How that works, I have no idea. Especially moving forward into the season, considering, you know they're uh not playing at all uh but then you have alabama at three uh alabama at three and then i'm trying to get pulled up i can't see oh here we go uh and then georgia is at number four as well oklahoma's at five and LSU is at six. So lots of SEC teams. Uh, one team that is not going to be playing at all. Uh, so that's going to be interesting to see how that impacts the rankings moving forward into the season as everyone plays games while they do not. Uh, but so I- interesting little uh dichotomy in college football you see all these schools and and programs having to shut down because of cases yet everyone at the same time seems to be dredging forward so it's gonna be a crazy couple of weeks uh some more news in college uh division one council announced that all sports at all fall sports athletes get an extra year of eligibility uh while the right move this is going to throw everything into utter chaos. Uh, the uh, uh, Chad Johnson, who's the head coach, not not that Chad Johnson, not Chad Ochocinco, 
the head coach at Mission Viejo High School in California said there's going to be a lot of JUCO guys as a result of this. He said, quote, you're going to see junior college football really elevate. Fast forward a year or two, there's going to be college going through all the JCs to get these players that get caught in the in-between because they can play right away and they're good versus recruiting high school kids. Going to be interesting to see how this impacts recruiting this season. I mean, if we even have a football season, uh, whether it's on the high school or college level, there are excuse <coughs> me, there are high school uh, foot. There is high school football playing right now, uh, but nothing. Um, you know, no big, no really big states yet. Uh, so. It'll be interesting to see how things go uh, moving forward. One final college note. uh, NCAA is considering four starting dates for college basketball. First option is to keep things as normal starting November 10th. Other options are the 20th, 25th, and December 4th. Um, You know, there is still... uh, time to push things back even further and that those aren't those dates aren't set in stone uh i think a lot of this will be based on how football goes whether we even get football off the ground basketball is easier to handle because of less players but there's you know we talked about it a little bit before you know you've got some social distancing but you have less protection uh between the players uh and indoor facilities means less space for the virus to escape uh like i said last week and like i said before we're getting to a breaking point uh when it comes to the virus where we're either going to have to go one way or another and i i have no idea what's going to happen i you said it yourself before but where do you think you know we are in you know a month and a half do you do we have college sports are we kind of moving back to being more business as usual or does everything get shut down again my problem with college sports and i'll reiterate it again professional athletes can do this because they're at least getting paid and don't have to worry about anything else True. College football, college basketball, these student-athletes have got a lot more to worry about than just playing in a game. they got to worry about their, again, academics. They're probably worried about their parents. Parents are probably worried about their kids. Mm-hmm. And so with all this worry, plus you've got some of these divisions that said, oh, we're not going to play in the in – the, uh, they're not going to play in the fall. And we've got Ohio State that's somehow ranked two even though they're not playing – Brandon, this mess that we have, I just don't see college football happening. I don't even see college basketball happening on top of that. Yeah, I mean, like I said, the the brain side of me is wanting to agree with you. But I just have this this bad foreboding feeling that no matter what happens, no matter how bad it gets, because of the money and because of stubbornness, these conferences that haven't already shut down, the SEC, the ACC, the Big 12, and and the others that are aligned with them, 
I think they're just going to try to push forward as much as humanly possible. And the other thing, the thing about football, and I think this is why football is different than basketball, but I think basketball will see how football goes and, and base their decision off of it. Football doesn't have one head honcho. It doesn't have one person that answers all the questions. It has multiple conferences that basically can do whatever they want. And right now it looks like, you know, obviously the Big Ten, Pac-12 have said, nope, not worth it, not going to risk it. SEC, ACC, Big 12, and a lot of the group of five conferences have said, nope, we're moving ahead. We want to play football. We want to make that football money. And and to hell with whether anyone gets sick. Now, whether or not that changes after everything that we've seen with, with kids get coming onto campuses and, you know, schools having to change course and go back to online learning, all of that... Who knows? But I just have this weird, sick feeling in, in my gut that, you know, that we're moving forward regardless. Then I hope that all these conferences that said yes to this are ready to prepare to answer for all the sports center stories that come out for kids getting sick, kids getting seriously ill, or God forbid when they if they die. That's yeah. I'm going to keep it 100%. Well, That's I, what's going to happen. No, no. I I completely agree with you, but that's part of the problem for me too. Now, maybe this is me thinking, you know, too far into it, but I mean, outside of, you know, I don't know how much ESPN and and stuff you watch. But outside of when the news broke about the Big Ten and the the few couple of days after, I've been watching, you know, First Take and Get Up and, and all those shows in the morning. And outside of a mention here and there, after the dust had settled and it seemed to be clear that the ACC, SEC, and Big 12 were moving forward, they pretty much stopped talking about it and moved on to talking about the NBA and uh, and the NFL and MLB. Uh, so, I don't really know. Like, obviously if there's a death or something like that or something serious, obviously they can't avoid it. But, like I mentioned earlier with the Mets, I didn't hear anyone mention the the Mets and and having to cancel games outside of pro- maybe a sport a quick sports center update saying the the Mets have to uh, you know postpone their games this week but it wasn't this big huge breaking news story uh, which it, which at this point if you're gonna keep it focused you're gonna need to keep it in people's minds. And trust me, it's not like I don't want college yeah, football no, to happen. I mean, my college season is already over when I heard the Pac-12 was done. Let's go Buffs. <laughs> so it, it, I, I get the people, again, I get the people like a Trevor Lawrence, like a Justin Fields, that don't want the season to be canceled. Completely understand that. You're a football guy. You want to play football. I'm thinking long-term because – we don't know what the long-term effects of this virus yeah. are. We're still trying to figure that stuff out. 
Oh, yeah, no, I, I completely agree with you there. And, and like I said, you know, in an ideal world, that's that that's what I'd do. But I'm just preparing myself for the, in my opinion, the inevitability of people's pre- propensity to say, it doesn't affect me, so let's move forward. Um, so, it, like I said... Like I said last week, I'll say it again this week, I'll say it again until we get, you know, we get a definitive, you know, either they're on the field or they're not moment. We're headed towards the crossroads, people, and you better just buckle up. That's all I got to say. Buckle up and quote unquote, enjoy the ride. And I say that sarcastically. Yes, yes, enjoy the ride indeed. Uh, well, that'll just about do it for the, our national talks. Uh, thanks for joining me. Um, and, you know, good, good luck with getting it 100. I may join at another time. Uh, but yeah, thanks for joining Jordan and, uh, talk to you sometime soon, hopefully. Absolutely. Brandon, thank you for inviting me once again onto the show. I, and, and trust me. You'll definitely be keeping it 100 with us again very shortly. (laughs) Definitely. So we'll take a quick break and then come right back uh, and we'll talk some Grand Strand Sports Report uh, right here on Sports Unlimited. Thanks again for Jordan uh, to join me here on Sports Unlimited. Now it's time for the Grand Strand Report. Uh, First, some recruiting news. Sumter defensive end Justice Boone received an offer from Ohio State. He's currently committed to Florida, so not sure if this will change anything. But another big offer for the four-star recruit. Uh, you know, he's he's getting a lot of attention. I think, and and we talked about this last week. And obviously, this all depends upon whether or not the SEC even plays. But I think teams like Ohio State may have a bit of an issue, especially with kids down here, of them saying, well, you know, we want to play football. And you canceled football, so why should I come there? Now, whether that's right or wrong, it's it's probably wrong. But you know, I think everyone knows that you're going, you know, a college recruit, a college coach is going to use every advantage he can get, real or perceived, to try to bring a recruit in. So I don't think Justice Boone is going anywhere. I think he's going to stick with Florida, but we'll see. But again, congrats on the offer from uh, the number two ranked now, Ohio State, uh, which is crazy to say considering... They're not even playing football this season. But, again, we talked about that earlier. Now, talking about the Big Shots Charleston Summer Classic 2. First, from Team Heat, Kadir Scott uh, out of Sakasti has a great spin move, great driving ability, can finish in in traffic, but sometimes can rush into the paint. Needs to work on that. Can steal the ball very well defensively. Has a good drive and lay-in, like I mentioned. Had had a good steal, fast break score, and drawing the foul end one. Uh, 
he drives very well, but like I mentioned, can't be forcing shots. Did make a layup later on. Um, he he's he's good at driving. He's got a great spin move. Just needs to slow it down sometimes when he gets into the paint, uh, making sure that he doesn't uh, put up an awkward shot. Also has some good range and a, a good floater. So some good news for Sakisti uh, moving into the season. Uh, Philip McLean, who's currently at Myrtle Beach Middle School, but will be going to Myrtle Beach High School uh, later on. Following this season, he has some good range, especially for a bigger kid, uh, but also has a good inside presence, hits multiple threes, uh, so a good kind of post guy that can go out into the paint, or go out into the perimeter and hit some longer bombs, a lot like a uh, Luka Doncic that we mentioned earlier. It's kind of this new breed of big man that can both battle down in the paint but can also go out into the perimeter and has that range to hit the threes. Good defensive rebounding, using his size to box out, uh, and but needs to work on not traveling when he's facing up down low. He went from a back down position to facing up, kind of tried to hesitate move and got called for a traveling, needs to work on that. Uh, but does have a good fadeaway from the low block. So he can work both inside, outside. Uh, a big name for uh, Seahawks fans to keep an eye on moving forward. He'll, he'll be coming up into high school next season. Jason Faulkner from St. James Middle School, who we've talked about before, needs to get out of double teams uh, better, not force pa- passes as much. Uh got caught in a couple of double teams and tried to force the pass out and got intercepted as a result. Did have a good steal. Uh, Needs to maintain control of the ball when he's driving. Uh, Had some good drives, but he needs to work on finishing. Uh, Was able to draw a couple of fouls and made his free throws, so that's good for him. Uh, And also has a very good stop and pop three. Uh, So that's good for him as well moving forward. Another St. James guy, Tyreek Goss. He had some good layups, good range, a good fast break. Needs to work on his passing accuracy a little bit. But all in all, a good performance from him this weekend. Whole team, great job uh, coming back from being down in the first half uh, to get the comeback win. So uh, a good overall team performance for them. Uh, Over to Manzer 2022. Uh, Jacob Amend from St. James. He has he had some good court vision while backing down his man. Was able to see the open man, see some movement, and and get it to uh, a perimeter shooter. Cam Tibbetts uh, also from St. James. Good offensive rebound, but needs to be able to hang on to the ball and maintain control even under pressure. Had some good positioning down low, but needs to stay down. Uh, to make the layoff over bigger defenders. Can't be rushing his layup attempts. Had some good court vision while backing down. Had a very good no-look pass to a man inside for the layup. And had a good layup of his own. So he had a good performance this weekend. Ari Shaklar uh, from St. James. Good range. Good drive. Uh, needs to work on his cross-court passes a little bit. Try not to 
force a pass in long ways uh, so much, uh, but that he will certainly work on. Loris Elite, guys, DeAndre Walton, Alisakisti. Can't be pulling up so quickly. Pulled up a couple of times where he would, you know, he'd bring the ball down or he'd get the ball, and as soon as he got the ball, he'd shoot it. Uh, needs to be working on, you know, trying to find the right shot. Uh, had a bad pass under pressure, so he, he's got some things to work on. He did have a good tip in, uh, so, you know, a work in progress over at Sakasi, to be sure, but, you know. Some, some things for him to definitely work on. Preston Smith, also out of Sakasti, has to work on his passing out of the trap. Uh, both of those guys got double teamed and then kind of were ma- forced to make a bad pass. And, you know, they need to work on making sure either A, they don't get into those situations, or B, if they do, kind of slowing the game down and making sure that uh, they get the ball out successfully. Had a good drive. Uh, has to work on his spin move. Kind of lost the ball on a couple of spin moves. Uh, and needs to work on his inbounding. Threw away a couple of passes. So another guy that's a work in progress for Sakasti. Whole team, though, had a good performance. Had some good perseverance after giving up 20 straight points to start off the game. They came back to almost tie the game up. Uh, but just could not quite get uh, get the win. Manzer 2021, the big guys from North Merrill Beach. Kaimani Knox, good offensive rebound and putback. Good drive, able to make some layups through contact. Strong rebound attempt, uh, couldn't quite hang on to the ball. Has to work on making sure that when he comes down with a strong rebound, uh, he's able to maintain control of the ball. But that's something he has done uh, in the past. Had a good offensive rebound, but has to work on finishing. Uh, You know... Uh, not rushing things so much. Come on, or excuse me, Javi Marlowe, good pass while driving, um, but has to work on his cross court pass hack accuracy, um, you know, and not forcing things too much. Alfonso Ortiz Robles had a good give and go. Cam Henley, also from North Myrtle. Had some good positioning inside. He he was playing very well. Didn't score many points, but had a good game overall. Mike Heron, the big man on Manzer, had some good hustle on a missed shot to get his own offensive rebound. Has to work on his ball control while driving sometimes. He is very cool in the clutch, draining some key threes, or draining a key three, rather. But needs to be able to make his free throws down the stretch, miss a couple of key threes free throws in their second game of the weekend has a long range he can shoot from pretty much anywhere on the court has to be able to has to be willing to pass out of some strong defense on him uh he tries to do a little too much himself sometimes but does have a good drive i think a lot of that with heron is the fact that you know we talked about some other soccer guys that you know haven't exactly grown as much as Heron has and Heron on a very weak Sakasti team a team a Sakasti team that struggled a lot last season uh he was the main guy he was the guy on that team and he pretty much had to carry the entire team so that's what he's used to and then on a team like Manzer where he's got all these guys around him that 
are strong and that can play well and that can help carry, you know, help, you know, keep the game uh, on their side. And he doesn't have to carry the team. He's not used to that. So he's used to having to basically ball hog in order to keep their keep his team in the game. And it sometimes causes some problems uh, when playing with a team like Manzer. Jeremiah Nesbitt uh, had a good dump in. He had some good passes. Uh, and Dylan Hare needs to work on his passing while driving. Uh, tried to kick it out but just could not get the ball uh, to his man. So those are your notes from the uh, Charleston... The Charleston Summer Classic uh, this weekend. Now moving over to some baseball notes. Diamond Prospects, Palmetto Games. Uh, a lot of guys on the Southeast team from the area. They played well in the first game against Southwest, winning 9-2. to But then struggled in the second game of the weekend against Mideast, losing 3-2. to Billy Barlow had the start for Southeast in the first game against Southwest. And he had some command issues throughout his outing, but overall had a pretty good uh, had a pretty good stint. Went two innings, gave up two hits, no no runs, one strikeout, and one walk, and was almost able to hit mid nineties on his fastball. Hit ninety four miles per hour on his fastball. Austin Gordon came in after him uh, in that first game. Had out of Myrtle Beach. Uh, had one innings pitch, two strikeouts, one walk, and an 89 mile an hour fastball. Landon Beverly out of Anor, two innings, two hits, one run, one strikeout, 86 mile an hour fastball. DJ Willard out of Sockesty, one innings pitch, one hit, one strikeout, one walk, and a 91 mile an hour fastball. Brandon Eldridge out of Conway had one innings pitch. One walk and an 83-mile-an-hour fastball. So there are your pitchers for the first day. And then some hitting notes. Uh, uh, well, actually, another pitcher uh, for the first game, Dil- Dalton Stroud uh, out of Green Sea Floyds. He went one inning, one hit, one run, one strikeout, and gave up two walks. Yeah, an 82-mile-an-hour fastball. Also went 0 for 2 with two walks and a run scored uh, offensively. Had some good plate discipline and and vision throughout both games. Uh, like I mentioned with those two walks, uh, had had that uh, plate or excuse me, uh, yes, with two walks uh, had that great plate discipline and had some good speed out of the box. Was not able to beat out any infield singles. But certainly made it to where the infielders had to rush their throws. So, and a lot of hustle, and a guy, especially in single A, uh, that is, is a guy to look for next season. Cameron Canarella of Hartsville had a great throw from home, great throw home to get a speedy runner out at the plate. So, good defensive player. He went one for two. With a walk, double, an RBI, two runs, and a stolen base. So, just a great five-tool player for Hartsville. And someone to definitely look out for uh, in the upcoming season uh, come the spring. Uh, Trayon McFarland 
Also out of Hartsville, good hitting on first pitch. Hitting it where it's pitched. Took a ball that was pitched outside and slapped it the other way. Uh, went 1-3 and three with a run scored. Did strike out twice, but also did have two stolen bases. So a, a, a decent outing for him. Some things that he needs to work on, uh, but some good things as well for him. Cam Freeman in the second game uh, pitched one inning, had a strikeout, two walks. He also had some command issues this weekend. Both North Memorial Beach guys need to work on their command a little bit, but that's not, definitely something they'll try to get going uh, over the fall and, and into the spring. Uh, he hit 93 miles an hour, so both of the big arms for the Chiefs looking good velocity-wise this weekend just need to work on their command a little bit. Uh, Andrew Bufkin out of Loris had a good defensive play at shortstop, ranging over uh, to his le- to his right and making a strong throw across the diamond. Went one for three with an RBI. He also pitched an inning, gave up one hit, one strikeout, and threw an 84-mile-an-hour fastball. Darian Pendergrass out of Hartsville went two for three in the first game with a run scored and a stolen base. Campbell Smithick out of Conway went one for three with a run, double run and an RBI. Owen Taylor out of Hartsville scored two runs on a hit, a walk, and two stolen bases. And also pitched one inning, gave up a hit, a run, and a walk. And hit had an 87 mile an hour fastball. Maddox Smith out of Sakasti drove in a run, going one for one with two walks. Had a good eye at the plate, like I mentioned, had those two walks. So he's he's definitely someone that has some good plate discipline, plate vision, uh, and a good sign for Sakasti and the Braves as they move forward. Cade Bird also out of Sakasti, good speed out of the box. Also, he was not able to beat out at a throw in the first game, but did have that speed to force the infielders to hurry up their throw a little bit. In the first game, he went 0-for-1 with a walk, and in the second game, he went 1-for-1 with a run scored. Jackson McCoy out of Carolina Forest went 1-for-1 with a double and an RBI. Braden Egan out of St. James, 0-for-1 with an RBI. Also pitched an inning of scoreless, hitless ball. Didn't get a strikeout or anything. Just three outs. Three simple outs. And an 81 mile an hour fastball. Ethan Salak out of St. James. One in pitch. One hit. Two two walks. 87 mile an hour fastball. George Derrick. George Derrick Floyd out of West Florence. Had one inning of work with a hit and a strikeout. And an 87 mile an hour fastball. So there are your notes from the Diamond Prospects uh, game this weekend. The Diamond Prospects Palmetto games over the weekend. And now some more high school notes for you guys. Sumter defensive tackle Calvin Harvin and Chase Simmons from North Myrtle Beach. The defensive end that has been performing very well. Has been showing off and doing great at all these... uh, showcase events throughout the summer both of them were selected for the offense defense all-american bowl which will be hosted in myrtle beach over at ticketreturn.com field the second and third local guys known for the event 
after Alex McGillicuddy was announced last week. We'll be interesting to see how many more get named once the full rosters are unveiled and everyone is known to be on the teams. We'll announce uh, the full rosters uh, once they become available, so be sure to tune in for that. Marlboro County, some some a little rough news and and some disappointing news and some uncertainty when it comes to the season. Uh, Marlboro County canceled their football practice Friday after a coach tested positive for coronavirus. Uh, yeah, the, while this doesn't matter all that much, they did drop down to AAA this season. Uh, so they're not quite as high as they were, uh, last season when they were in quadruple A region six, along with all the other, uh, all the other Grand Strand teams and PD teams, uh, but still not a good sign as we head towards the beginning of practice, which is supposed to start on the eighth, uh, but, you know, um, so not a good sign. Hopefully this is just kind of a blip on the radar and not a sign of things to come. But, you know, fingers crossed. Hoping that the season can proceed without any real problems. Myrtle Beach announced a scrimmage, their second uh, preseason scrimmage of the before the season starts, will be against Carolina Forest at Myrtle Beach. Uh, and some news, hopefully, I will have some news for you guys in regards to Carolina Forest football next week. Not at liberty to announce it quite yet, but I may be able to next week, so be sure to tune in for that. May have some big news on the horizon. Kind of whet your appetite for that finally final news for the day the max preps and high school sports report rankings are out now for football max preps was actually released last week but i i didn't see it i missed the reveal so i'm going back uh to mention them as well Three local teams in the South Carolina Top 25 overall for the entire state, according to Max Preps. Sumter is at 5, Dillon is at 9, and Carolina Forest at 14. So, all those three teams, according to Max Preps at least, uh, looking to be very strong in the state as a whole, and looks like Quintuple A, 5A, uh, region 6 is going to be very powerful, especially at the top with Sumter and Carolina Forest going to quad quintuple A, 5A rankings. Max Prep Sumter at 5, and Carolina Forest is at 9. High School Sports Report, however, has Sumter way up higher. They have them at number 2, and Carolina Forest is not even in the Sweet 16 in the top 16 for High School Sports Report. Kind of a dichotomy on that. Um, you know, not sure exactly how Max Preps uh, creates their rankings. A lot of people complain about the Max Preps rankings because they feel like they don't really evaluate the teams as well as they should. 
But I'm not here to necessarily judge that. I will, like I said, hopefully I will have some more news and much more talking points on Carolina Forest next week. Uh, so if, if I, if I am at li liberty to release the information next week, uh, I will, I will talk a lot more about my thoughts on Carolina Forest and where they stand this season. Uh, so be sure to stay tuned for that. Quintuple A, or excuse me, quadruple A rankings, uh, 4A. Max Preps has Westwood at 8. Hartsville at 9 and Myrtle Beach at 10. Uh, high School Sports Report has Myrtle Beach at 2. Hartsville 4, North Myrtle Beach at 6. Wilson 8, Westwood 13th, and West Florence rounding it out at 16. Probably would have to consider the High School Sports Report one more accurate because think about it. Myrtle Beach is coming off of being... It, the runner, well, being the runner-up uh, for the state championship, going to the state championship, uh, but then losing. Um, and so, you know, considering that, they, they need to, they need to work on uh, getting over that hump. Do I think they can do it, especially with, uh, you know, the pieces that they still have on the team, J.J. Jones, Adam Randall. Yes, they're losing Doty. Yes, they're losing their top quarterback. But, like people have mentioned, Ryan Berger did have, did play in the playoffs instead of Doty. Doty wanted to rest and get ready for what he presumed was spring football, which never occurred. Uh, at least not fully. But, you know, Berger did show some promise in, in, the, cha in the state championship and in the playoffs uh, this past season. So I think Myrtle Beach is definitely on pace to be able to be a strong team in the playoffs, and which also helps is that the... Which is weird. This is really, really weird. That the the state champion in 4A is dropping down a level. Their Ren is down at 3A now. So it's, it's kind of weird to see how that works. So I think... I'm not sure if they're the odds-on favorite. But I definitely would say that Myrtle Beach is definitely going to be a tough out again this season. Uh, you know, Hartsville has a lot of pieces. North Merrill Beach, especially with the guys that have been building up these this season, like a Chase Simmons. You know, you knew about Zane Smith already, uh, but you know McGillicuddy too. There, there's a lot of good pieces. A lot. This is going to be a fun year in quintup in quadruple A Region Six. Uh, for all of you fans of North Myrtle Beach, Myrtle Beach, um, you know, even out in the PD, Hartsville, Wilson, and you know, you got both the West, both of the Florence teams there now, West Florence and South Florence as well. So, gonna be a fun year. Moving on to Region Three, you've got uh, Dylan at three and Anor at ten for Max Preps. Dylan is at one, 
with Anor at 11 for the high school sports report, I think with the pieces that Dylan has, they definitely have to be the odds-on favorite to win region or win Triple uh, A. Um, so yeah, that they they look like they're going to be very strong. Double A rankings: uh, Marion is at seven for Max Preps and in, at nine for High School Sports Report. They've got a good squad. They should be uh, pretty strong. Not sure if they'll win the whole thing. Probably not, but they'll definitely make the playoffs this season. And then finally, at single A, Max Preps has Green Sea Floyd's at two, Lakeview at six, and now here's the one that I have a problem with. I, I was agreeing more with High School Sports Report for all of these rankings up until this one. High School Sports Report, Lakeview 3, Green Sea Floyd's at 5. How in God's name with the pieces that Green Sea Floyd's has, not to mention that they're back-to-back champions, and they are it's not like they're losing a ton of pieces. They still have their main guy. With with at with Dixon, they still have their main threat. How do you have them at five? I mean, even two. I think they should be at one. I think Green Sea Floyd should be the number one ranked team in single A. But five? Uh uh-uh. uh, no, no. They uh, two okay. Okay, I I could potentially see two. But five? No. No. So, that'll just be about done. That'll just about do it for me here. Uh, Hope you guys enjoyed the show. Hope you guys enjoyed Jordan joining me today uh, and all the news in the uh, Grand Strand Report. Uh, once again, next week, hopefully, we'll have some good news. Ha- hopefully, have some big news to reveal to you guys. So be sure to tune in for that next week. And next week, I'll probably be flying solo, so should be a fun episode. Again, if you have any questions for me, anything you want me to answer, either locally or nationally, message me on Facebook or Twitter. Brandon Bisco Bang on Facebook. Bisco NMB Chiefs. That may be changing soon, but for right now, Bisco NMB Chiefs on Twitter. So message me there. I'll ask any, I'll answer any question you guys have. So that'll just about wrap it up for me here for Sports Unlimited. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. And we'll I'll talk to you guys next week. So long everyone. <laughs>